Alrighty, so ancestor veneration. Let's talk about it. Um, before I did anything else, and I'll say even before I started honoring my Audi, um, ancestor veneration was the thing that I tapped into beyond numerology and um, astrology from it, like connecting with an energy. It was my ancestors. And, you know, it was one of those things where I probably would have expected it to feel weird, but it did not. Um, Ancestor veneration is something that showed up very early like the Odisha. I just didn't have an Odisha altar at first. Um, I didn't have any altar at that point. Uh, but I, you know, learning about ancestral veneration, learning about um, honoring my Ori, so a lot of these things kind of coincided. But ancestors is probably the one that came up first. Once I found a guide and a mentor, um, the ancestor altar was definitely the one that she suggested first, um, and she was very cool about it. She was just like, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Um, a white cloth, a glass, you know, something that represents all of the elements. So water, a glass of water, um, a candle, um, preferably a white candle. Um, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, air could be incense or a feather. And then for earth, you know, crystals, plant, dirt, something, whatever, something from earth. So I kind of was just like, okay, where am I going to do this? At that time, I was still married. I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? So my initial setup was what I guess one would call as a traveling altar. Um, I had an end table where the glass had someone how gone missing. So I had that. Um, I had a desk where the top had come detached some kind of way. So I took the top from the desk and I put it on top of the broken end table. And that became what I used as my altar space. Um, I would get up in the morning. I had, um, I wanna say a white pillowcase, white baby blanket that I was using. And I would set everything up every morning. I would just set it up. And initially all I did was sit there and quiet. Cause I didn't know what to say. And I even remember um, my cousin asking me, like, what do you say? Like formal prayers? What if I say the wrong thing? And I, I, in my beginning of my journey, I felt that way. Like, what do I say? So initially, I kind of just sat there and I was quiet. Um, every once in a while, by then I had started dabbling in tarot cards. So every once in a while, a tarot card or something would pop up in my head. But initially, I was just quiet. Um, the, the other suggestion, because I am a woman... Um, identify as a woman or a biological woman she said maybe connect to my um female ancestors so to connect to the women in my lineage and she you know I was like okay especially since I have a very strong um divine feminine energy both in my presence and when you look at like things associated with my soul contract like my life path and my birth chart it's very much present. Even in my E5 divinations, it comes up very strong, divine feminine presence. So 
I was like, okay, cool beans. So I'm sitting there and, um, you know, just trying to figure out what to say. So initially I just started talking about the day before. So whatever I did the day before, I would just talk about it. That's it. I would just talk about it. I would just ramble and talk. Um, simply trying to build a connection and I won't say that I felt anything immediately right away even though my clear sentience was present I don't know what I was feeling um initially um one particular morning I was sitting in a different spot and what I said is I wanted to try to see my family so I was sitting there and what I was just you know in my head visualizing them sitting in chairs in front of me so I was able to like grab an image of my father's mother and his father I was able to grab an image of my mother's father which is ironic because I've never met him in person but because he looks so much like her brother my uncle I can make his face come to me, but I could not make her mom come to me. Like I could not get a visual with her. And that made me very sad. So I was started doing that. And then eventually what I did realize is that I had some pain associated with um, my father's parents and how much time I did not spend with them. So a lot of times you'll be on social media and you'll see people talk about their grandparents. And, you know, if you grew up in the country, you know what, you know, this looks like and things of that nature. And I didn't have that. My mother's mother passed away when I was only in fifth grade. So though I remember her, the memories are vague. They're, you know, fleeting. I can't remember. The only thing I remember is what she smelled, what the house smelled like. That's what I remember. I remember what the house smelled like. I remember... A lot of green in the house. I remember she dipped snuff. I remember tobacco. I remember she had dentures and it used to wig me out a little bit because she'd take her teeth out of her mouth in front of me. Um, and that was the clearest image just then that I've a- ever been able to grab of her. Wow. But at that time, I was like, I couldn't get anything. Like nothing. I could not get anything to come to me. Um... So, but with my father's parents, they moved to where I live when I was an early, like a teenager. Like they would come visit, but they eventually, like, I think maybe around the time I was 13 or whatever, they had moved here. And by then I'm a teenager. I've gone through some trauma. I am, I had a lot going on and sitting at my grandparents' house was not on my list because at that time I'm like, you know, it's one of those things that when you're younger as a habit, it's just a habit. It feels natural, feels normal. And for me, I wanted to go out and play. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go be a teenager. And there's so much that I feel like I missed out on. And when my grandfather got sick, what in my head I was visualizing was my grandmother, my mother's mother, sick. She had a stroke. And I remember seeing her with the tubes and everything in the nursing home. To this day, I don't like seeing people like that. Like my sister had to have surgery. And when I got to the hospital, she had tubes in her and I had to leave the room because I burst into tears. 
I could not deal because the visual wasn't her. The visual I saw was my grandmother dying. And that was my association with that. So I can't see anyone like that. It just bothers me. So, you know, my grandfather having cancer, it was just, I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to see him. I needed to hold on to the image I had of him and I did not want to see him. And even at the very end, they were thinking of me. And he made my grandmother bring him to my job to come see me. And so I remember spending a bit of time apologizing. Like that's what I felt like I needed to do was apologize to him and apologize to my grandmother for not spending more time with them. I feel like there's so much I could have learned from them just in general, like learning Hebrew. And there's just things that I didn't get to learn and say and go through. And there was just a lot of regret a lot of regret that I had to get through with them. Um, And it was very nice because I don't feel like it was both twofold. This was my human regret, whereas they did not see it that way. Um, And that meant a lot. Um, I've had two ancestor divination specifically ancestral divinations done the first one (laughs) the first one was really interesting because the um diviner was like you know essentially they wanted me to leave my house and actually that came up twice just verbalized in a different way but the first was like they want you like they they're not happy with your marriage and I'm just like, oh, okay. Um, but me working it out, I have, you know, free will. I can work it out, but just understand, like, there's just some some issues there. Um, and then the second one, it was the same way. And there were so many really cool things about that reading that came up. But as I kept going, the connection became stronger. Um using tarot cards to communicate it was really cool because I had one card that's Morgan Le Fay so it would drop and I would say okay that's my dad's mother and then one card um had um C on it and that was my mother's mother because I called her sissy so it was just really cool to see them come up and it would I, I would do a divination at the end of the night oh man and there's this one card that looks like somebody in bed and it would just drop and I'm like, okay, I'm going to bed. Dang, dang. All right, I'm going to bed. But it wasn't like, you know, they, they, they weren't a replacement for God. They're not. They're not a replacement for God. It's like those conversations that people have where they talk about their grandmothers praying for them and their moms and dads praying for them in their life. They're still praying for you in the spiritual realm. They're still advocating for us. They're still praying for us. They're still trying to encourage us and uplift us and show us the way. All of those things are still happening. All of those things are still happening. They're happening at a higher perspective, though, because they don't have the earthly attachment 
so they don't have the ego perception of things they can actually tell us things from a higher perspective to help us understand so today my ancestral practice is um such that um um I have a room, I would say, I guess you could say my room is a shrine because there's multiple altars in there, but I do have an ancestor altar. I do have pictures on it. Um, there's also a letter that I wrote after a while, um, that was placed on my altar. Um, tomorrow I will record an episode to talk about how ancestral veneration has helped me in the passing of my firstborn because eventually I did add him to my altar. I didn't have him on there at first, but I did eventually add, um, I do have baby pictures of him. And so I did add him to my altar eventually. And I feel like that was, that was the game changer. That was the game changer for me, putting him on my altar. That took my ancestral practice up some, and I'll explain that in another one. But just from a beginner's, standpoint I think that's good to share it's just like I didn't start off with anything major and I have a room I didn't have a table or anything I just had me speaking from my heart to my family and essentially to begin that is all you need I hope this helped anyone who wanted clarity on what ancestral veneration is what it's not and kind of how to get started I'll do another part two of this one and talking about what I've learned, what I continue to learn, and um, my practice as it relates to my firstborn. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying. If you have questions, make sure you let me know.